0: Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 20th of December 2020 I don't think, well maybe they will, because people don't have much of a memory these days And actually it's been that way for an awful long time When you understand the whole idea of information warfare And the techniques to be used on the public as stated years ago actually back in the 90s when they came up with the idea of a total war on the public who really thought they were going to get free speech for a while, you know, with the internet coming up and all that. And other powers had a different point of view. I can remember even Hillary Clinton saying, we well, could got to find ways to control the narratives. And, of course, the military of the U.S. especially, and Britain too, GCHQ, were heavily involved in finding ways to make sure that they had the controlling factor but at the same time back then in the 90s they didn't want it. the whole idea was to get everybody on the internet understand because that's the way that you, you're all monitored and you can get personality profiles and updates it's daily with your input and so on Do it all voluntarily and so they give you all these social platforms that they would pretend they were privately owned by by single individuals, and nonsense like that. This is a famous thing that they've done for centuries, is give give you the front people for big organizations. But anyway, that's how they published it in the 1990s, the idea being that you could never give the public true freedom of speech. And and I understand some of it, because you understand, anyone who's looked into the the forums and so on, and talk shows and forums, and and, uh, incredible fighting goes on, with egos, which worsened all the time, and the more you looked into them, the worse and worse and worse through the, after 2001, until literally, uh, it's a zoo now, and a lot of it is manufactured by the very powers and the cyber warfare groups employed by the military, and, or the government's military, and, uh, contracting out to private organizations, which the governments are famous for doing now, The whole idea of what government is, is vastly changed. In fact, folk don't realize it. That the major sections that government used to run and manage, they simply farm out to all kinds of agencies. Not, including the military too, actual physical troops, as you well know. And mercenary groups, etc. Far more, far bigger than they ever did in the past. Before, the special forces, ex-special forces, Um, were used uh, as mercenaries through organizations. Every country has particular agencies that run them and they will do operations with uh, the plausible deniability factor as well. But the governments, we didn't employ them, you know, and they were privately owned and, and privately contracted to go and do dirty jobs. But, of course, the governments are always behind it. Our famous saying that if you 're caught, you know we have no responsibility or no knowledge of you, etc actually actually is the way it 's done and it isn 't just for for overt operations like that It's all kinds of operations you 'll realize that 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 there 's many forms of warfare, not just cyber warfare, etc. many forms of warfare economic warfare too is one of the the best uh, most effective forms of warfare there could be look at COVID-19 with one fell swoop of flattened everything instantly on the plan to completely bankrupt all the nations deliberately by locking down all the healthy folk for something that supposedly kills 0.15 or something the population and even then it's very iffy However, facts won't matter When there's big agendas And your whole life has been living through agendas And you don't even know it That's the sad thing about it Because as I've said so many times You're trained from birth to be naive And to trust using natural impulses That you're born with basically To be tribal And a small tribe That's how your your mind is shaped For a small clan or tribe uh, Where you have a chief And you elect a chief And the chief can get ousted or knocked off if he gets too big for his boots uh, by the people, you see. But and so we're, we're still in that mentality, that mode, and naturally the, the chief has got nothing to, to to gain by lying to you all the time, when your your whole survival is at stake, including his own, along with you, you see. But when it when you end up with this this mammoth, this modern governmental system. This, this too, too big. You can't even imagine it really. You can't, it's, it's a name, it's a term, but you can't really imagine it because you, a, a tribal chief is one person. You can picture him and you can see him and you can see his family and so on. But with government today, including the, the hundreds and thousands of agencies that take the work that's farmed out to them by governments across the world, you can't imagine it anymore, you see. So the whole idea of voting, for this person, that person was gone long ago. They're all fronts to an extent, you see. And uh, it's been that way from them, at least in a... Well, actually, Carl Quigley mentioned that every member of every party at the top, the top members of political parties in the Western world and in the U.S., since... He wrote the book in the 1960s, Tragedy and Hope, but he, he did mention that, that every every government had its top members as a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, and, and even the name prior to the, the CFR, before that was formed, is, is it for at least really 60 years? Well, so you're doing 1900, the year 1900, when there was an organisation still uh, bringing their own presidents and top members of cabinets into power. Same in Britain, of course, and it was more better documented in Britain, with the Lord Alfred Milner Group, as an example, and the Rhodes Foundation that was associated with them both working together uh, with Rothschild. And that's no conspiracy theory, you can actually read Cecil Rhodes' uh, wills, you know. Where he mentions Rothschild and leaves money to him and back and forth. And personally, I think it was the, the fact that Rothschild had really funded Rhodes from the beginning, and it's part of the contract deal that much of the money has to go back to the, to the cause, because it's, it's not just a person, Rothschild, it's a cause, it's a, it's an agenda, a long, far-reaching agenda, and no doubt about it. And Rhodes changed his will quite a few times, by the way, you know, he's a, he was a bit off the rails, Rhodes himself. He vacillated back and forth with all the different characters. He would leave the cash too. But they, remember they were, he, he, he was a real believer, Caesar Rose, in a world governmental system. Not democratic. He would use that term of democracy to get, to keep the people quiet, you know. It's a great drug, democracy. Because folk would literally sit back and forget to watch with incredible scrutiny the machinations of government. It pushes you to sleep, you see. Oh well, they're dealing with that. They're looking after my rights and freedoms for me. And that's how you see it. And that's how they want you to see it. It's quite fascinating to realize that you're, again, it can only work when you're, when you're, when the natural tribal systems that Edward Bernays was well aware of too. Uh, the guy wasn't just some kind of, um, end product of generations of, of merchants. He, he, they certainly understood the and the same in India, in the merchant causes and so on, or, or merchant histories, you might say, in the, of the Brahmins, where they understood how the psychology of the public, how to, how to pacify and keep them happy and make them think they're winning or getting something for free or almost free or getting a deal or whatever. It's Brahmanistic too. That's what you find even as far back as the, the writings about the Buddha, about Siddhartha. When he used, at one point apparently, he said that he needed money for something, you see. And... Part of it was a journey back somewhere else, but he needed money to get there, so he he laid out tables for wares, and using his Brahmanistic techniques and understandings of human nature, he he quickly brought in lots of money. He knew to manipulate the customers very well. Well, it's the same with Bernays. Uh, You you, you understand, you're the end product of, of thousands and thousands of years of commerce, you know, in one form or another and in, in one way or another not just supermarkets but going way back to little wooden boats coming in with pots full of things and barley and all that you're the end product of it all and knowledge is never wasted or lost by those who run the systems including commerce naturally and it was also to do with people and personalities and nations and, and uh, that kind of thing culture is very important and how to sell things and how to even make markets happen that's still the same today But in the old days, uh, markets were primarily down, mainly down to what you really really needed for surviving. And what you do, of course, is knock out competition by all kinds of means, fair and foul, mainly foul. But that's how it's done. And they take over and then they'll supply the the customers. And when there's nobody else to, there's no competition. You can then dictate terms to the customers as well. Well, we won't sell us to you unless blah, blah, blah. And on it goes, you see. Monopolization is awfully important. That's why I call people monopoly men who take over the world's essential supplies. And then they form big organizations, a whole bunch of them, of course. And sometimes underneath those big bunches of them, there's millions, literally millions across the world of subgroups, literally, that they'll set up across the planet to micromanage all different kinds of necessities and markets and so on a complicated thing in a sense because of, because of its size and scope but basically it's still the same thing where monopoly power decides how the culture is going to be directed if you want a society to grow up all smoking cigarettes and you make it very sexy, like Bernays did he was paid to do it and, and he did it very well of course especially with the women uh, you get the top fashionable women to go into a magazine do a magazine shoot basically in the open air in New York and all the cameras are there, There are the cameras and and photographers and, and there's even the miniskirts, you see, for, for the, the Charleston era in the 1920s, rolling 20s, de-sexify, it looks glamorous, and there they are with their cigarette holders and holding their, their cigarettes at the end of these, wearing the latest gear and fashion. So the young girls would say, wow, you know, so that's liberation and, and that's what been you know, a, a real, a real avant-garde type female is today and they copy it very successful indeed to get them smoking but also to give them the booze can she'd turn out lots of movies at the time the gangster movies and and, and the sexy sexy what they called them the malls was it that would accompany the, the gangsters you see. and they'd all go to these these clubs where it was sex and exciting and naughty and bad and all that and uh, that's how they glamorized all of that it's all done deliberately isn't it It isn't just to make money as you're often told It it, it all do that at the same time naturally but that's how you run but society is 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 very old and we still, still live in the tribal sense to trust the chief so you trust the rubbish that comes out of the mouths of those at the top and you really don't want to meet the folk at the top. you know. Well, at least the ones that you see. They're not the bosses, the ones who pre- pretend to run the countries. So they're on television. As I've said so many times, their jobs are jobs to take the tomatoes that are thrown at them and then you vote another bunch and it does exactly the same because they're all working for the same boss, you see. That's how it really works. And you wouldn't want to know those characters because politicians are grimy, grimy a lot, really, honestly. They, they have no morals and qualms at all. They, they tend to have psychopathic tendencies, for sure. Some are definitely psychopaths, obviously. Though, they're, well, they're By their behavior, it's rather obvious. And they like power, but they're also under higher bosses, and they do what they're told. And that is a trait in psychopathy, too, is that they, they generally will. They understand a structured system they might not like it or care for it unless it suits them or benefits them. Anything that benefits a psychopath is what they'll do. They'll take that lead, they'll climb the ladder and they'll do whatever they're told. But don't forget that these characters are still front people because the speech writers... Are the ones? These are the invisible powers, part, or part of the invisible powers that Bernice talked about. The, the future of the world be would be run really by invisible powers. He meant that was with the arts of persuasion and techniques of persuasion, visual, auditory, through marketing, for instance. You know, but yet, speech writers speechwriters too It's the same thing, and they know exactly how to write the speech, uh, and it's gone over. Actually, every speech is, is analysed by panels. Who then uh, criticise any any flaws that they see in it, or uh, and then readjust everything. over A lot of work goes into it, and so the speeches that you hear, presidents and prime ministers, just give out, or their spokespeople near the top, uh, the appointed politicians. It takes a lot of work to get that done. So the person is just reading a script, a politician, and uh, it's probably out of their head the next day, or even that night because they don't really care much about uh, helping the public, or you wouldn't be in the mess that you're in, would you? And if you had honest politicians, that, apart from the fact to be assassinated so quickly, then uh, you wouldn't have this this awful mess of a world that we're in right now. And I don't put it all down to them either, because you understand, you've got to have some kind of order in society. Of course you do. The big boys, of course, and gals too, We're equal opportunity psychopaths in this day and age. You can understand that with those who want their new, well, technocratic global order based on a rules-based system, they call it. They use all these different terms. Most folk don't understand what the terminology means. And they don't go out of their way to explain it to you either, including the media. The media's job is not there to help you, as you well know. It's to be a mouthpiece for authority, to make sure you... And I gave talks oh, back in the 90s about how you get authoritative opinions given to you and how it's even then, long before I was born, these techniques were understood by using media, the newspapers and radio and then television. Well understood of how you bring people to a consensus of opinion uh, and without them really knowing it, that they're being guided to the opinions. Whenever you had major uh, topics... In Britain, as an example, Britain was awfully good as a socialist system for, for really studying socialism and the techniques that they used. Very dry in a sense, which put people off. But if you persevered and dug through it, you'd find out the, uh, the machinations behind it, what they're really up to and what they really want and the techniques that they use. So part of, the part of boring you stiff with, with, in uh, socialism is to make, t- just to turn folk off from studying them. by <laughs> bye. <Bye-bye. laughs> so that's all purposeful. And they do a good job of it. You, you want to fall asleep during their, their debates and talks and so on. And even the language they have too is, is, uh, it, it's, uh, it's designed for bureaucrats really in a sense, you know, who, who generally not terribly interesting people, you know, on the whole anyway. But you, you, you've got this system of control, as they say. And they would, you would hear speeches in Britain with party members of different parties, especially in election times and so on, or they bring out a member of parliament who's appointed to be over one, one part of the parliamentary system. And they give a talk, and they, you'd get at least always two, at least two, uh, again, professionals that would go over what they just said. And you'd sit there waiting for the, 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 this important announcement where it was going to be. And then you would get uh, the person to, to give the announcement a written speech, naturally, not written by the politician that gave it, but by some high-level bureaucrat in that, that part of the civil service whose job it is to know what they're doing, uh, at least on that topic, you know. But they read it off, and then you'd have two... Because this is a charade, you understand. Uh, so that the politician would read it off. They probably knew, knew nothing about it, or, or understood it even, or cared. And, and then to, at least two people who, who listened to up, or maybe more, maybe a four a time of a panel, at least they, they would go through what had just been said, you see. And then they would bring you cleverly, you don't realize it, cleverly bring you to the consensus of opinion of what you, regardless of what you thought you really heard, they, they would convince you this is what they're really saying. Well, if it was, we all speak the, the, in a country. you all speak the same language generally, and you understand what they're saying. But here is a panel of two or four to tell you, "Oh, well, this, this is what they really said," uh, and that becomes your opinion because you, they give you these. Oh, they, see, they, they make stars of these opinion makers that are brought forward to, to on debates and so on. They make stars of it. star-making machinery. So you hear so and so come, Oh, well, well, they know what they're talking about. They're they're really famous, you know. So their opinion or what they come out with becomes yours. But they guide it to you through a fake debate between two or four of them. And that's the techniques that's used. And you'll never f- figure, if it's one person that just come out and says, here's what they really said, you say, oh come on, here's no why. But if you get two or four of them, they'll, they'll, they'll convince you that you never heard what you heard at all. Here's what they, they really, you really heard. They'll tell you what you heard and, and you'll believe it. And it's so, it's so simple, you know. And that's the that same as that ash conformity test that they do you know, they've the, done the, the all before experiment, but uh, yeah I gave those talks doing that, that experiment years ago as well which is interesting to realize how you're brought to consensus and opinions and so on but most folk don't realize you're even guided to, to getting your opinions you know. as I say, all you'd have to do is play what you what the politician said, even the, re- the reading of the script And you heard them say it, and you can decide yourself what you heard them say. But why would you need four folk to reinterpret something that's in plain language and give you a complete different version of what it was all about? And they get paid big money for that too. Interestingly enough, so many things are like that throughout your life. And pretty well all the time on television when they bring them out. But I don't know if you've ever listened Are found the old recording of Carl Quigley, Professor Carl Quigley, the much touted um, head or or tutor to the U.S. Department of State, uh, the State Department. He would teach all the the characters who ended up in the the State Department, the highest area of importance. I would say, outside the military In the U.S. government. and he also picked, uh, like they do at university or college, they pick them young, uh, for future leaders and groom them, they teach them, and quickly uh, got accolades from Bill Clinton because Clinton claimed he chose him and groomed him for his position in the world. So Quigley was no idiot, and he was an elitist himself, you know. But he did say on an audio, it was quite interesting, Never mind uh, about the fact that something much higher run the system than even he was involved in. He was at a high enough level. But um, he did say that he and others, other well-known, again, the the star-making machinery, you see, would, would be often phoned up and brought on panels on television to refute whatever was coming out by some leaders' um, investigations into things. And if they didn't like what they were hearing, uh, the, the system, the establishment, would pull them in and try to get these professors to to refute and ridicule publicly on television these people and quickly said that he did a good job of it and he was so... They're very arrogant, you know, in their power and so on. And he got shocked one day, he said, because he, he was brought in to a guy who had written a book about, I think it was, was it Nunn? Dear Call It Conspiracy, I think it was called. Maybe Gary Allen or... But anyway, he, he, said, he said this guy knew his stuff and he says, we couldn't ref, ref, refute what he was saying because he had all the data there, the factual data. And that upset them because they were so used to just, on behalf of, the, of this, what you call the deep state today or the establishment, they, they were so used to be able to make mockery of uh, some upstart, as they would call them, coming in to try and tell the public to be wary or, or be warned of whatever government was up to in this or that uh, area. And that's how it was really done. Every country had the same techniques on the go, especially in the West, with the CFR and Trilateral Commission, and also with... The Royal Institute for International Affairs is an example. They had it, and they have the the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They have a department in every Commonwealth country, including India, and all the way to, and and even have one in Japan. Interesting enough, they they set that one up a long time ago for the Far East, and now they have divisions, in even in um, China, Communist China. So anyway. uh, what you always learn is the world is vastly different from that picture that you have in your mind. And you're still living in a primitive system in your mind. Of the, Here's the tribe, and and here's my teacher at school. They're really nice folk. And it never dawns on you getting brainwashed on behalf of the establishment. And then you you have your, your little childish um, school books, you know, little painted pictures. And here's a here's here's nice policeman. Policemen are there because they're nice and things like that. And it doesn't dawn on you that a policeman's job is, uh, he doesn't care. It's, it's to arrest people and get up the ladder by arresting people. And they do it by finding all they can out about anybody on any possible case or whatever. And they don't have any really uh, aff- affiliations with you uh, outside of that. They, 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 they'll put you in prison for the slightest thing if they can. And, um, and they do so that 's why I always tell you if you' please, police talk to you never never um never help them you put yourself in trouble without even knowing it, even though you 've done nothing wrong but uh but that's how it really is you know you are living in a system where you're brainwashing and you're thinking it's all quite natural, and uh, teachers are natural and and you might even like the teachers you know. But when you realize that what they've been teaching you is essential to your indoctrination by those who own your nation. Your your nations are owned, you know. And those who own them are quite open about it in their own circles. And they make sure that uh, the the peasantry is brought up believing and and what they're taught to believe and and so that you you won't have so much trouble out of them. Managing people is a big business, you know. Big business, of course, is great when you get them to earn money and then you tax it back from them to pay those that manage them on behalf of those who own you. It's <laughs> quite a good system. Eh? It can't really fail. But that's how it's been for an awful long time. Awful long time. And that arrogance of it today is overwhelming, really. To me, I'm not surprised when they came out with what they did with the total lockdowns with COVID, the whole idea of COVID. And COVID really is the big one. It's like the plan C. If, if plan A and B didn't work and maybe be plan D, you don't realize your whole life long. You've been brainwashed and you're thinking that, that there's too many of you. And this, I could see this with my grandparents as well. Maybe even great grandparents because you don't realize that the Malthusian idea of overpopulation of the masses that would outbreed the rest, like the movie Idiocracy, was a, a, a big, big thing. Uh, the nobility and aristocracy really were concerned about it. Mainly, I would say, it got worse actually in the 19th century when they, they had the big, you know, that big um, industrial years and they go, but they also knew that the industrial revolution wouldn't last forever. As other areas. Don't forget those who ran Britain, uh, run the Commonwealth of Britain, you know. Britain's just a, a corporate name for an enterprise. You know. Most all countries are. You're just enterprises for corporations. And they are a corporation themselves. It's the name itself is. So, you, you understand that the, the British Commonwealth, uh, was fueled by money. It was lent to government by those who owned the government, basically, and 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 the, the system of the country of the nation. They owned it, as far as they were concerned. Everything, everything. I heard a banker tell me this, you know, myself, that uh, that bankers were responsible for everything moving in the world. Without that, without them and, and them loaning money, nothing would happen. You see? It that, that was very simple, but arrogantly poop. But that, that's, uh, that's the way that they've always seen it. And if you have a monopoly of money and you've got the right to, to print the money and no one else has, you make sure of that, you know, then uh, you've nothing much to worry about. So then you lend the money to the governments for enterprises which you want them to do, fulfill, like sending troops over to different countries. To get the country's wealth or to get cheap labour or it happens to be, uh, or both, get resources and cheap labour. So you get a massive profit coming in for those who, who basically end up being appointed over it and they've got the rights to extract those minerals or resources or whatever And businesses and even run the other country's uh, financial systems too. And then you get the, the people back home to pay the cost of it all, the actual dry cost of it the true public-private partnerships, you see. And so the public pays for the debt incurred by the government borrowing money from these guys who wanted to take over other nations' resources. <laughs> Not bad, eh? Uh, you can't really um, do better than that uh, for yourself. and And they prosper. And prosperous people, again, it goes into eugenics and... It's well seated in certain anthropologies, if you study anthropology and different groups of people. people figured out long ago that you'll survive much better if you live better than other people around you, since most people will be in a state of poverty. And poverty isn't conducive to, to health, as an example. Therefore, uh, the more you, if you can create money, this thing called money, it's a substitute for real wealth, which is what you create yourself through gardening or farming or building or something. Um, if you can create this this in-between thing, this thing called money, and you can loan it out to people, then you'll be top dog. And you'll have more than anybody else that people do actual work especially when you get them all on it by law and to pay taxes back then you have to, they have to actually earn money which you own, you own the money, they got to earn it and then you tax it back from them. This is what a scam really isn't it? But we all, we're all taught it's quite natural and most of your parents probably thought it was natural too simply because their parents thought it was natural and that's how, how it is. If you don't warn, I've mentioned this before, mammals look towards parents to warn them, all mammals do, of what's dangerous to them, or what's wrong. And it's like bear cubs are quite pleasant old characters when they're young, and they will follow you. Because they'll come up and see what are you? You know, you're an odd looking creature. And they're curious, but they have no fear. And that's why the mother will come up and kill you, you see. Because she, she's been trained through experience that people are bad and and so bad people can't go near her club, quite simply. So we should be doing the same parents, mostly the same human parents should be warning their, their children, but yet they gave it all over to the state through education. As Bertrand Russell said, we should think we have to take children from their parents, pretty well at, at weaning stage, get them away from the parents, so they wouldn't be contaminated with ideas and culture of their parents. But he said now that we have found very effective means of indoctrination, he says we can use the, let the parents' keep and pay for the upkeep of the children, while the state will use these techniques for the indoctrination of the children so effectively that when they come home, any input by the parent on any particular topic will be cancelled out by the child. They won't listen to them or accept it. Only accept that which they're taught at school, and that's that was all done when I was growing up. That was obvious, you know. At school, when I, when I went there, I knew it. I, I could tell. But uh, yeah, uh, you don't realize that this is how you've been raised. Most of what government does is pretty well secret. It might. Everything's dualistic. They have an open. Inquiry type thing, you look it up, it's like a wiki, it's like a page, very simplistic say, Oh, that's what this department does But that's, that's nonsense, that's for public consumption amongst themselves They have deeper agendas And government is always, in, primarily, in the role of, of managing the people To suit those that own own the people And you are owned You are under a corporation. You're 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 owned. There's no doubt about it. And they even talk about you as a product. You are a product. You know, you're also a product which they created uh, to consume their other products and things like that. You have no idea that that's how it's done. So yeah, your opinions are given to you. Your education is awfully important, especially the preliminary education. Which gives you, which makes sure that subsequent indoctrination and propaganda takes on, a hold on you and you'll accept it. If you don't get that when you're young, at uh, if they start when, when you're maybe 10, 15 years of age, uh, it's, it's much harder for them to, to keep a hold of you because you're, you, you, you're like a wild person. And I mean wild in, in the sense that your mind works for yourself. That's how nature intends it to be. Wild animals are natural animals. And wild animals are survivors. They're independent. They're not kept in a zoo and hand-fed to be docile, domesticated. But the population, when they say it's domestic population, they mean domesticated population. And you are taught to be domesticated and to obey, to be obedient, you see. But a wild man is a term they use themselves at the top of the tree. They call themselves wild because they're unaffected by indoctrination. They didn't get that indoctrination. As I was saying, if you realize the children, the conversations their children, that the elites' children, will have amongst themselves, is uh, they, and they know they're taught as random to, to be secretive about it, so don't let outsiders hear you, and so on. But the children, uh, just like their parents of, of the elites, are quite open about how the world's really run amongst themselves, including the techniques I'm talking about. Yeah. And so they grow up uh, knowing uh, the reality, they don't, that you're all brought up uh, as a peasant class uh, in non-reality uh, or unreality, and you're obedient, and you think you are in a reality. That's their big joke. You say, how will, it worked. But most folk have no, will never wake up to it. The, the indoctrination is so intense and so effective. It wasn't just Russell said it, so did Aldous Huxley and others. Aldous Huxley on, on the Mike Kowalas show said the same thing, that that the techniques back then, I think it was the 1950s, he said, were so effective that people would be accepting things that perhaps they shouldn't because it was unwise or un, un, it wasn't good for them to accept what was being indoctrinated into them by techniques they didn't even know were, were being used on them. And look at it today, you know, look at it today where folk haven't got a clue that uh, they've become the kind of robotic consumer society for a while, it's finished now, it's gone uh, with with the reset, uh, that's the whole point. of it was to destroy the past to bring it into the new system, but for long enough, you had uh, cons- the consumer society, a little burst of e- excess, materialism. You know, not a, it wasn't a long period really, compared to what you could what you could afford to buy, say, 1970s or 80s or 90s, even. To the the mass of, of the stuff since China became the production giant, the engine for the world, and it was met, it was set up to do that by outside forces. But you don't realize that it's, it's a short spurt of materialism, really, you know? and then you're blamed for it by those who own all all the all the, the produce, the one the, that they own, all, they they have holding companies that own hundreds and thousands of factories in China. For goodness' sake. But then they're telling you now These people that set it all up That you're bad and you're destroying their planet And there's still too many of you Like Malthus said And uh, it's astonishing that it hasn't changed But back to the wild man They're in the wild man, you see It's what the children of the elite call themselves Because he has a parent saying that And you find too That uh, The book that was put out By Charles Galton Darwin Called the next million years it has a lot of that in it. You see, now he don't forget that he, uh, like a lot of the Darwin family, they, they saw themselves as scientists, and he was a physicist. This guy who worked on the Manhattan Project, and so he had he had good ideas of how to kill off millions of people. He, he didn't he didn't just preach about it; he did it. But he he wrote a book, "The Next Million Years." We talked about the past and how slavery had always existed in the past, uh, always reacted when he was talking in the 1950s for his book. And he says, I I don't see why it will ever disappear or continue in one form or or another, you know, forever. And you're in a form of slavery, you don't even know it. Here's one of them telling you that, you know. And at the same time, he, he had... The same Malthusian problems that they all have, you see. There's too many of you, and as they change society and don't need as many of you, well, they don't want you around. They really don't like you. They really don't like you at all. And like Bertrand Russell, being one of them himself, said, he says, elite become a, they'll become a specialized, a separate species from the general public. So they're very selective, careful choice of partners. But he didn't tell you a lot of are actually mated together by others, you see in true eugenic fashion, for the improvement of their species. So yeah, you're living through astonishing times when the information is available, but folk are so caught up in crisis after crisis after crisis, they can't fathom it. They can't grasp hold of one thing long enough to comprehend it and then understand it and investigate it. And that's that's another technique they use, is crisis after crisis after crisis stampede the herd. Rapid change comes because as you're trying to adapt to survive, you adapt quicker and quicker and quicker to things that you shouldn't adapt to, like Aldous Huxley said or inferred. So the wild people haven't had the indoctrination that you had. And Charles Galton Darwin said it in his book, "The The Wild Men Rule. He says, we are the wild men. We'd we know uh, we, we don't have fall prey to different indoctrinated techniques of uh, moralities, for instance. They do what's practical for, to get things done, regardless of morality and ethics. Today, of course, they, they, they made sure they've got a whole new pretended science called bioethics and ethics management run by Rockefeller, really spearheaded by the Rockefeller group. And one of the top ones in that area, of course, is, just coincidentally, is Fauci's wife. Just coincidentally, you know, who should live and who should die, and just little things like that. Because no one gets to those positions of Fauci by hard work and abilities. They're picked for their ability to completely do their they told and compromise, and to keep their mouth shut, and to obey any order they're given from above, regardless of the consequences to the population's that's why they're picked and they know it of course they know it quite conscious of it all the time and there's lots of them out there pointed over you that's the world in which you live folks it's vastly different and they gave you as I say, the temporary consumerist society that really was meant to take over from the industrial era that you had and told your own leaders as they were told to do signed away your countries under free trade agreements and giving countries like China and other ones a special trading nation status, you see. And you support them as they come up and right as they rise up to a higher level, you come down. That's what they said. Rockefeller said this in his own own books at the time. I've written a for him. He said that the, the wealthier countries will come down as they finance the rising of the countries coming up, emerging nations. And there'll be some kind of medium in between where they try to stabilise them all at the same level. Although you might sink further than the one you're helping. Well, we're way down yonder. We look at China. We're really sunk. We import everything. China doesn't. They make everything. Uh, So there's no balance of trade as such. The balance is like a one-way. It's like we used to call it a seesaw, you know. Uh, it's, it's been weighted down at one end right from the beginning to be that way and uh, everything goes one way to China, you see. You import it all from China and the Far East. And of course now they brought in um, the same agreement that was signed by Obama and it, or the, the, the starts of the agreement with the Pacific group, uh, nation group and so on, including India. they got that lumped in there too. And we're funding them to come up, giving them more money for... We're building more hospitals for them and, and schools. Same as there was with China recently, you know. And they build them hydroelectric powers and different you know, power plants and things like that. And you do it all as you're going down the tubes, you know, and infrastructure is falling apart. That's the free trade agreement for those who don't understand it. Quite something, eh? And free trade is not free trade. It decides who, who is going to get the business to trade. And who is not, who will not be given licenses. It's a completely rigged system. But again, that's getting off the topic, basically, because we're, I often talk about things that I, in my daily routine of thinking, <laughs> that, that I realise that most folk really don't know a lot of it. They don't. They, why should you? you? Again, you're raised in a, you've got a mind that's set in a tribe somewhere, a little clan, a few huts, you know and and it hasn't adapted to this con of modern living yeah. it's kind of like the, the, the atomic bomb and whether Einstein said it or not probably didn't because all these famous quotes that you get John are made up after the facts or after a pair of people are dead to make them more famous you see uh, and Einstein supposedly have said that after the atomic bomb you see, everything's changed except the, 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 the mind and brain of humans because we start the same mind of of battering folk with sticks and stones and now you have a the capability to wipe out the species you know? so whoever wrote it was quite right was, that's the way it is, but it's the same way with obedience to authorities and so on, and those who design authorities and even those who want to take over authorities for their own reasons by putting out obedience to authorities, but um you realise how the world really is run and, and how you've been raised by if your parents were decent parents then uh, they, they still wouldn't know to tell you what you're hearing here the elite don't want a, a population of paranoid people watching them all the day so they make sure that you think everything's real and honest and decent the corruption behind governments even local government is phenomenal and the clubs that they all belong to and join, uh, you can't get into. Or some, you know, some of the lower ones you could, you know. But uh, if you give an oath to anything, you, you, well, you just give an allegiance to something, legally, you know. And there'll be penalties if you, if you try to pull out of it. It's like the brother who did the bell, eh? By Glenn Ford, I think it was Glenn Ford did that one. He paid for it himself, I think, that movie he said but the Ford Foundation because he realized there was definitely powers behind everything the selected people who ended up in universities as professors and they opened the door and it built you up and brought you into high profile positions the ones who became moguls of industry were all groomed and appointed by the clubs and so on but there's a price to pay again because one day you're told it's like the mafia which again is brotherhood eh? the mafia too that you're, you're, one day you, when you swear allegiance to them then you're given a lot of benefits but one day they'll, they'll, they'll ask to return the favor and whatever they tell you you got to do, you better do and it's the same with uh, the movie Brotherhood Bell and, and um, the, the different allegorical techniques used in the movie and systems in the movie are very real in society very real and that's how it works with human nature. But you're still living as a tribe, and you're taught you to trust everything. And that's why uh, th- 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 this is why you're, you're used and abused uh, so tremendously, Effectively by those who claim that they own you—the wild men, the ones who haven't had the indoctrinations that you have had, the ones who are who are not—they've uh, no impediments to do with moral decisions, they have no problems with doing practical techniques to achieve their goals regardless of human cost or whatever they don't really see you as human uh, they see you as a different, a lesser actually has never changed for hundreds of years at least from the class systems of aristocracy and nobilities of how they saw their own people and I think in France up until the revolution it was true that there was no penalty Against nobility who often got drunk and and their hunting parties might kill a few peasants in the woods and things like that. There was no penalties that you could levy against them because they were the they were beyond arrest or or anything, you know, or charge. Even Uh, England was much the same really, um, where he could the as he could and did kill poachers who were starving. We came on the royal lands of the aristocracy and, um, and nobility and we get a rabbit or two and things like that or, or maybe a deer and share amongst the people of the village. But they, they were, they got murdered. They were hung. And there's, there's no trial. That was it. You know, all that Magna Carta stuff. Just toss that out the window because it didn't apply to the most of the people. It was for free people. Serfs were not free. And the bulk of the populace were serfs. So, humankind isn't that great at all, and you definitely have had problems down to the present time. Well, the same, the same elite as I say today decided that. Well, that's it. You wouldn't listen. You just wouldn't listen, would you, to all their warnings, all the when they when they when they all pledged together to make global warming the issue, to depopulate a good chunk of the planet. You wouldn't listen to them, eh? So here's plan A, B, C, D come into effect. And uh, again the the practice for years Before it all happened With Event 201 And the Rockefeller Event Lockstep And so on Within And other ones as well And Cladex, etc Over and over again And they're all vowed With all the media Which as always Because media is just part of The the propaganda uh, system For governments And the real deep state That's all they are That's all they've ever been well, they, they churn out lots of stuff on pop stars and rock stars and, well, that's what they do. All, all rubbish, all nonsense, you know. But they aren't going to give you any real news that really, that you should really know. Definitely hmm? not the truth of it. So all the media's on board with the whole agenda and it's a wartime scenario. That's what they've made it to be. And they they're, they're, which they, They bring out the same wartime, no gatherings bigger than so-and-so, that's war, you see. Uh, Curfews, you can't, because, you know, the virus, you know, apparently it it must be infrared, it can attack more prevalently at night, so I guess that's why they want a curfew, eh? God, What, what rubbish, eh? Again, that's what you live in today's, mainly rubbish. You're living through incredible agendas that are meant to change society forever. I hope you understand that last part, eh? Forever, eh? Unless you stand up to it and say no. And you can't just stand up to it and say no, you have to do something about it. Because the elite who own the system... Are changing the system. I've said this from the beginning. This is their revolution that takes over from their last their last revolution. This is the next part of their revolution. You understand that? Same folks, same folks. The ones who built up power through massive uh, financing uh, abilities and so on. And regulating nations' economies, not the same folks are now. This is their revolution to the next part of their system, as they pull the plug from underneath you yeah. and keep you going for a while, as it as a depopulate, which is which well, is actually happening already. Uh, when folk can't get medical treatments in the hospital because of this um, COVID uh, everything shut down pretty well. They're not bringing in people for operations which can be life-saving if you get folk in time being for certain cancers and so on. So they're already writing off people uh, as, as just acceptable losses. You know? And you're accepting it until it's your turn. Because starvation is meant to come out of this too across the world, starvation. You better believe it. You, you, you folk that, that think that groceries come out of grocery stores it's, uh, it's really stuff. You, you better understand what's going on here, and it's planned, it was planned before you even heard of Covid. Oh, but you're getting the picture. What part of depopulate don't you understand? Hmm? What part of austerity don't you understand? Which is a, nice, it's a more polite term for poverty, you know? And they're bringing it in down Meanwhile, I'm telling you, this is to go on for years, not just one or two. And I said that at the beginning. This is, this is, this is it, folks. This is the big one. This is it. The, the trains that pass me, the heavy doubled up, you know, two carriage high trains for, 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 it's all freight. Have been going steadily all summer long. And, and night too, night and day. Well, since most of the stores are closed, where do you think all this stuff is going? This is for years of survival in the big uh, cities and so the, the underground bases that they've got built. And this is no secret, folks. They've had documentaries even in Britain years ago about the underground <laughs> bases that they've got. Oh yeah, yeah. You can go around the military bases in Canada. And, and if you get the ones like Base Borden, you drive around the primers outside of it even, and you'll see these little, it's like the little, um, uh, up, up, it's umbrella-shaped uh, pipes everywhere, and these your ventilation systems, eh? See, like the, the different ships, the same know of But There's ventilation systems. Eh? it's like uh, like an, a walking stick. That's sort of like walking sticks, with the with the handle there. You know, the, the kind of semi U-type handle, and they're all over the place. And when, when you and you, I remember talking and, and doing talks and talking to the guys who are working and building deeper floors and underneath the base they're putting in plumbing and electricity and they, they're quite, they were quite open about it And lots and lots of rooms and facilities. This is for, it isn't just continuity of government, it's continuity of everything that government needs, which is military too, you see over years and years of crisis. This is, this is how was done. It's already prepared. It goes back to even Maggie Thatcher. She had her day in, in, in that too, when that practice runs for it. I kept all the hard copies at the time from newspapers, about that was interesting because they had trial runs for continuity of government in Britain. And uh, at least the British press at that time Printed it because it wasn't, it wasn't the actual event. It was a practice, a big practice, and they sent off the Harrier jump jets, the military jets that could vertical takeoff for the really high VIPs. If a was a sudden crisis, they would go all over the place and pick them up and bring them back to these selected sites, underground bases, and the other ones would be helicopters and so on. And the rest of them had to get, they'd send convoys out through, if they still open, streets and so on, to bring people in, all the important folk. And um, there are things too, I won't mention them now, but they, they definitely had other things on the go too. But they, uh, they had special forces there, guarding the entrances of these bases, eh? these underground bases. And their orders were to kill anybody else of the populace that wasn't on the list, just like the movies, these these these, these catastrophe movies. That thing's real. They actually have lists of people and so on, and then and always bump off all the people who tried to come in and overwhelm them, you know, by surviving themselves. How dare they, the peasants that they are? But there you go. That was on the papers back then. You know. If you mention it today, you begin a conspiracy theorists It's amazing they can revive the same ridicules. Uh, over and over again and then tell you the truth in between but uh, again it really doesn't matter because you've never lived in such an age of incredible massive uh, authorized propaganda where even most of the medical profession speak out about this whole COVID farce that's going on and get banned themselves like most of them get, this is most of your medical who actually deal with it. Who say wait a minute, this is not what this. This is nothing like they're telling you. It doesn't matter. This is a wartime scenario, and this is the excuse that they've hit on. Since you wouldn't listen to the climate thing, you you know you wouldn't go and volunteer you'd be sterilized, and you were still buying stuff and consuming stuff. And ah dear dear, how bad can you be, eh? And they gave you all the warnings of the previous conference of parties for the climate summits and so on. And they said that the public are not listening to us. They're just not listening to us. Mm. They're still consuming. Some of them even breed, you know. No kidding, eh? Well, here's their answer to it, folks. This is your crisis part three, and they've tried the other ones before. So COVID, here you go. And with the though, there's articles that have at least noticed it too, and have said, isn't it odd that the, the agenda that's come out from COVID is, is right on, in line with austerity programs for the climate agenda, you know? Hmm. It's coincidental. Though. Sure, it must be. If this virus, virus is out there, it's the mo- most politicized virus that's ever existed. Remember, folks, and it will happen, Cutting cuttingthroughthematrix.com, go to the website... Make a list of all my other sites too, and the com site. Take the links, so that if, if ever you, you just can't find me, hopefully you can still get me on one of my my sites. And all the official sites are listed there, cutting dot the So if you can't get on one, try another one, try another one, because I mean things are. I mean, there's doctors that are working in the hospitals getting banned. They've been banned from again social media. The people who are working with patients, for goodness sake. And top virologists getting banned. Because no one can speak out against the authority, the God, the God of propaganda. There's no debate with the God of propaganda. The strange, authorized, un- unknown ones, right, the top there under, uh, under this, this, um, authority. No one can say anything different. It's, uh, we've never seen such a, a time in history as this. You know, you have seen it in other wartime scenarios. I mean, a lot of folk didn't want to go to war in World War One and said no, and they were locked up a lot of them. World War Two came along, and a lot of folk who had fought in World War One, said no, we don't want, we don't want this war, and they got locked up. That's what governments do, you know. They, they lock folk up that have different opinions, no different than the Soviet Union, where they lock you up, complaining about the state, and they class you as mentally ill. That way, there's no trial, too. Yeah. As this happens all it, and your countries are all doing it right now, like never before. Your same countries are trying to get you to, to look at China as the enemy now. Because they're doing this and they don't treat the Uyghurs or Uyghurs, Uyghurs in China the same way and so on and, and, and yadda 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 and they don't the same, the same rights policies or their great ally Saudi Arabia, how they treat prisoners and things and, and have, um, capital punishments and, and here's your government doing so many of the different things they claim other countries do. You see, intolerance. They don't tolerate the people. They don't tolerate different opinion. Well, look at us right now, eh? We're a good chunk of the medical profession that dares to speak out, because the rest of them all know it, but they're terrified of losing their jobs, eh? Yeah? That's a great thing with money too, isn't it? Folk who would get more of it are terrified of losing it, because you get kind of used to it after a while, don't you? <laughs> and it's kind of hard to go back to poverty. That's why I've said before, don't buy a house. I said it for years, don't buy a house unless you're willing to walk away from it. Because one day, that's what's going to happen, as they abolish it all. Private property. And here it is, all coming down the pike, by the way. So, I can cut into the send me a few bucks, you see how it donates to me. You can send personal checks, you can, you can send cash, and moneygram works. So as I say, com, you can buy books or this or straight donations, it's up to you. And that's how to do it, get the cash to me to help me, help me take along here, because we are going through the, this is the greatest change, or the beginning of the greatest change that you're, you're going to experience in your life. All the other parts of it are preordained and, and will be implemented in sections. Over the different periods, like 5 years plans for this, ten-year plans for that, fifteen, twenty, fifty, seventy-five-year plans, etc., all the way through the, the entire century. This is the century of change. This is the century of transition. They called this in academia and the CFR in the last century. They said the coming century, the twenty-first century, is a century of change. Everything was to be changed. A whole new regulated uniform system. This is it, folks. Coming in now. You're living through it. You're in the great reset as the currencies get devalued and devalued, and true purchasing power. You'll need more and more currencies to get the same amount of goods if you can even find them or buy them. And this is what you're living through. And I said at the beginning, nothing is going to go back. You know, when you hear the statements coming out of that the mouth of Fauci, Foxy Fauci, Fauci, there. That things would never go back to normal. He meant it because you see, this is all pre-planned folks, and he was in on the, the, the his part of the planning stage too. Nothing's to go back to normal, nothing. They've got you wearing, they, they call it diapers for your face, which it is, you know, because your, your mouth is just dirty, dirty, and the air has come out of you is dirty, dirty, so put a diaper in that face. Now, I mentioned last week that China, some, some distance, certain flights, they were, they were, putting adult diapers on the the cabin staff and the pilots and so on. They're said to be more hygienic. I mean, they're starting to plug every orifice in your body here. You don't understand what's going on here. A diaper on your face and a diaper on your rear end. And they're telling the pilots to sit in that, you know what I For long flights. I mean, that's truly, that should be their ad for, for their flight company, you know, flying high. Right? Because there's it, it, a big experiment to see how how much, how far you'll you'll go for in conformity. Hmm? Hmm? It's like yeah, that 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 movie, the, the experiment, remember, which was done actually. It was actually done. It wasn't just the Milgram experiment. Had uh, the, the one about the, the the prison and roles role playing in, in the prison. that's the creed wardens. Out of volunteers and, and, the volunteers, they also took prisoners, you're saying. And they met a mock-up there and they, they watched folk adapt right into their roles. Very quickly. There's nothing, there, nothing, there's absolutely nothing that they haven't tested out before in conformities. This is the Ash test of conformity, of course. I did talks on that many years ago. The Stanford prison experiment and the Milgram experiments, and all the other experiments they did. But you can actually see the movie version of it, the, the experiment as well. And it's worth seeing, I think. Behaviourists and psychologists have been well-funded for such a long, long time to work for the masters that own the world, and find to find ways to manipulate us to be more compliant uh, citizens, you know. Do what we're told and don't think you disobey. And look at us all today. Look at what's happening. The, the folk truly, if they watch TV, cannot fathom. They don't know. They don't know. And, and you won't know how bad it is for them. Because if you've been studying this for years and following this for years, you realize, in a sense, you are you are a different species from them. What you take for granted and what you know and what you know for take for granted, these folk are completely naive to it all. They don't, they've never even started down that road. And so all they're doing is reacting the way they're supposed to react by those who are managing the whole system into the panic mode, into compliance mode, in the hope that somehow they'll get get back to some kind of normality. It's not going to happen. As they played as children. or oh, just a few weeks, you know, at the beginning. Oh, or maybe a, a few weeks more, lockdown. Oh, or maybe, maybe, you know. A little break in the summer, and they right back to it. Eh? As though the winter had anything to do with COVID. Because the hottest country, supposedly, just had just the same rates as fucking in the middle of winter. So all that's out the window. Eh, you understand testing is what, <laughs> what gives you the COVID. <laughs> fragments, fragments. Possible fragments, not even really, but possible fragments of viruses in the PCR tests. Or, uh, that's what's driving, that's why they chose that test for a particular thing, you know. You can't fail with that. It'll chew out the, it'll spew out the numbers that you want with false positives all the time. Especially with the cycle rates that have gotten up to the, they're, they're, some of them are getting 14, 41 cycles. Uh, the higher you go, and even say that 30 is the maximum you should go to, even then it gets iffy. It literally amplifies little fragments many times over in the cycles, and then say, well, uh, once they get a certain percentage at the end of the cycle, oh, well, that's, probably, that's probably a good indication there's a virus there. But it's not proof that there is. That's why they picked that test. That's why these cases have got nothing to do with reality. Look at the. You already had um, a president of a country in Africa tested different, including fruit. And water oil, and sent it off to a, a lab run by the WHO. And it came back, not came back positive. It's a complete farce. Complete farce. But most folk, again, as I say, you're going to they realise they, they're not in the mode that you're in, where you're at least educated to a good extent of what's going. On. I mean, knowledge is power, I understand. And the folk who are so naive and whose indoctrination worked really, really well haven't even started the journey to wake up or understand that this is uh, the greatest hoax, agenda-driven hoax ever devised. And they probably will never look, look upon you as crazy and will smear you and you see, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. How would anybody go to go to this length to deceive the public? Well that's exactly why they do it. You were deceived before with austerity packs, right? Under under the guise of climate change and cutbacks and so on and stop eating meat, stop eating, doing this, stop, stop, that, stop, 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 stop. Stop breeding. And it didn't work the claim the claim it didn't work fast enough as you're destroying their planet, eh? So here's their answer to it. They said that at last year's meeting, folks, 2019 climate conference. They're not listening. They're, you know, it's coming at come a grinding halt. And Trump wouldn't, wouldn't even go along with the climate accord, which made other folks say, well, we're not going along with it either. That was the whole, that was the big thing they were really ticked off about. You see? The CFR came out against Trump about it too. and, and all, all the, 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 no, the, the ones who claim that they are the establishment, they're only one level of it. They're not the highest one either. But they're all against Trump for that, for that one. If Trump did anything purposely or not, who cares? The fact is that it became rather obvious then. They, they were just up in arms about it. The World Economic Forum was up in arms about it. They gave speeches there against Trump. Soros was against Trump He gave a speech at uh, WEF too And the Climate Change too They're all the same people That run all of these big organizations They're all designed to, to, to go end up In the same road To bring you on to utter austerity And depopulation Post-consumerist society And they mean business So much so They devise a plan to terrify the planet Utter Terror, a campaign of complete terror. And they won't they won't stop, folks. They're sworn like any advancing army to to to, to, to the death. They're sworn. No one's gonna break ranks. No no way will they break ranks, folks. And they will be utterly vicious against anybody who speaks out. This is a real war. I'll be understand. This is a real war. And you're not looking at some other nation, you're looking at the folk in your own countries that are appointed in your own countries because they don't, they're they're not there to serve you. And they all know it. But they comprise an army. And at this stage, they still need your compliance for it to work. The whole agenda to work. But they'll get rather vicious. If they see it falling, you see, and and that's when tyrants always get vicious, is when they see their plans failing, or even being challenged. They'll they'll get utterly vicious, and they'll make some examples, hoping to terrify everybody. This is a a war of terror, planned, uh, deliberated, and applied to the public of every country. A global war of terror upon the publics. That's what it is. Designed to totally crash every economy because you're supposed to go into dire austerity in a post-consumerist society, in a post-industrial society. Subsistence, survival, is what they're, they're planning to bring in for you. They really mean it for... No government in the planet has ever applied these strategies in history to the populations never even in times of previous wars crashing everybody's economy by order from the top never happened before this is it folks as I say, with these incredible heavy trains that go every twenty minutes or so past me, it, like never, it never happened before the before COVID, it didn't? It has to happen for years. This kind, this kind of commerce or trains going by with freight, the stuff they're storing up is for years and years and years. Maybe a whole jet, maybe a a real full generation, like 3 score and 10 or more. Really, I'm quite serious about it. Even before the 2078 crash, there's never, never this this kind of freight commerce going by here. No. And since most of the small businesses, and most businesses in, in country of Canada and the States are small businesses, remember, wiped out. All the small, smaller stores, groceries, are wiped out by order of the state. So this isn't just food that's going back and forth. What is it? And it but it's definitely not going, it's not going to Walmart, folks. Not this, this kind of commerce, no way. This is for long-term storage, long-term. No doubt about it. So this is the big one. They've been waiting for for years.